This is the Ghoul's Guide to Santa Barbara. You're, you're crazy, man. I like you, but you're crazy. I feel like I know this one. <laughs> I don't. It's <laughs> <This is> predictable. <laughs> uh, hint? Um, wait, wait, do you need a hint? Or do you know? No, you can give a hint while I'm thinking. Will Ferrell says it. <laughs> Is it Anchorman? No, but same era, I think. Talladega Nights? <laughs> no. Is I'll just tell you. It's old school. Okay. <laughs> so that's when he gets hit in the neck with like a tranquilizer dart. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's his name? Sean William Scott it, like has the petting, yeah. the petting zoo that he brings to the party. and <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, that was just a... Did I do Talladega Nights? Did you? Before? I don't know. I can't remember. I don't think so. But I don't know. It sounds like one I would do because that movie, <laughs> I love that movie. It's yeah. so quotable. No, we haven't done that yet. Yeah. All oh, of those, okay. all of those movies of that time, just Will Ferrell's so freaking funny. Yeah. So, and my car's name is Blue after the character. <laughs> You're my boy, Blue. <laughs> You're my boy, Blue. Yep, exactly. I know. There was a... Um, You're my car, Blue. <laughs> there was a dog uh, at the Humane Society that we were looking at uh, when we were thinking of adopting and his name was blue and i was like oh there's no like i would just that's how we would call him yeah you're my boy blue totally there's this uh there's also in um shoot mm, wedding crashers when will ferrell you know he talks about like like now crashing funerals to like mm-hmm. get chicks but he <laughs> but he's talking about he there's just this like this one line where he's like what an idiot <laughs> think that so frequently i love will ferrell he's great yeah i love talladega nights because like i grew up watching nascar with my dad oh yeah and it was just like (laughs) such a great Uh, yeah it's awesome fun fun yeah and of course snl forever oh yes yeah that's good that was awesome Uh, (laughs) have you seen that one summers no you should watch it uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> movies are too much emotional investment for me I even can't. inane comedies yeah. <laughs> okay uh okay so this is the ghoul's guide to santa barbara and i am summers i'm jen and i'm liz and today jen is going to tell us the story of a santa barbara speakeasy otto hopkins and his cotton club i'm gonna talk about otto hopkins according to census data In the late 19th century, amid the rise of white supremacy, Jim Crow laws, and increased segregation in the South, many black individuals relocated to the Northeast and West to escape discrimination and racial violence. They quickly discovered that while racial discrimination was less rigid and outspoken in California than it had been in the South, it was just as present. Yeah. In the early 20th century, with the new railroad increasing accessibility, both Santa Barbara and its African-American and black population saw a resurgence, experiencing rapid growth and establishing a vibrant community with businesses, organizations, and social groups. By 1930, fueled by racial zoning and restrictive covenants, which is where people would like 
right into the deed of their house <sighs> that like certain types of people could not own this property or Red live line. there. Redlining, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, approximately two thirds of Santa Barbara's black residents lived in the area bounded by East Haley Street, East Montecito Street, State Street and Garden that came to be called the East Side during this time. So it was here in 1924 that Otto Hopkins Cotton Club was born. So a little background on Otto. Uh, He was born in Texas, just outside of San Antonio. Otto's early years were marked by hardship. He was raised in a one-room tar paper shack, and he learned the value of hard work and perseverance from a young age. His father, once enslaved, instilled in him a fierce independence and a determination to carve out a better life for himself. As a young man, Otto found refuge and purpose on the baseball diamond. He pitched for the San Antonio Longhorns in the Negro Leagues, and he also spent time as a boxer. Uh, Otto had an intimidating stance at either six foot three and 220 pounds or 6'6 six, six and 250 pounds, depending <laughs> on who you asked. Um, it made him a formidable competitor. But it was his move to Los Angeles that would set him on a path to greatness. So arriving in the City of Angels, Otto found himself living in a boarding house run by the mother of Tom Bradley, who would later become Los Angeles's first African-American mayor. Surrounded by a community of ambitious and talented individuals, Otto's entrepreneurial spirit was ignited. Nice. So eventually Otto and his wife, Emma, moved up the coast to Santa Barbara, drawn by the promise of opportunity and the breathtaking beauty of the California coast. Early on, Otto found work as a stone worker on the California Hotel, which was just uh, being built. Is that the one on Lower State? Mm-hmm. Oh. Californian. Okay. But it wasn't long before his restless spirit urged him to strike out on his own. So nestled across the street from St. Paul AME Church on Haley Street, which was kind of like a cornerstone for that community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it still is that the exists. One at Garden Street? There, yes. Haley Garden? Yeah. Cool. Um, so the Cotton Club quickly became the hottest spot in town. Otto brought his unique blend of athleticism and charisma to everything he touched. And despite prohibition looming over the nation, his speakeasy flourished, drawing in guests from all walks of life. Patrons of multiple ethnicities mingled freely, united by their love of music, dance, and good times. But Otto's success wasn't just built on nightlife and entertainment. He was a man of many talents and interests with a keen eye for opportunity. So Otto Hopkins opened the Cleanway Garbage Service Company, a garbage collection company servicing the Montecito area of town, known for its wealthy residents and large mansions. At the time, multiple companies were contracted to manage waste throughout the city, and it wasn't uncommon to have one waste hauler picking up on one side of the street while another <laughs> worked on the other side. Yeah. Um, so forever the savvy businessman, Hopkins found an innovative way to further profit from his garbage collection. In 1923, Hopkins purchased a 400-acre ranch situated off Casitas Pass Road. At the ranch, collected trash underwent steam sterilization and was utilized as feed for thousands of hogs raised by Hopkins. What? So he was like full circle. Interesting. But I guess this is like pre-plastic, so it was probably just mostly like food and paper yeah, stuff, right? Yeah, I was reading a different article where they were talking about like 
back before recycling was the hot buzzword, uh-huh. uh, they were saying that basically you had what was considered wet garbage, uh-huh. which was like your food scraps and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I would assume like, you know, cardboard, those kinds of things. Like, And then you had uh, your recyclables, which weren't called recyclables, but mm-hmm. it was like you, you know, if you used sauce from a jar, yeah. then you would just like all the glass jars and stuff would be collected separately uh-huh. and then they would be like cleaned and processed and given like sold to uh markets and stuff in town wow and then so these haulers would just come up and pick up the actual refuse a lot of the like organics were composted on site mm-hmm. um oh. just by the household staff huh. so yeah cool um so then the hogs were then transported to Los Angeles slaughterhouses operated by industry giants Oscar Meyer and Farmer John. Huh. So uh, later he diversified farming on his ranch, raising turkeys, squabs, and cattle while planting thousands of fruits and walnut trees. What the hell is a squab? Is a squab a bird? Yes. <laughs> I believe it is a form of bird. It's a burb. <laughs> it's a burb. I've never heard of a a squab. It's an immature domestic pigeon, typically under four weeks old. What? Interesting. <laughs> huh. Okay. What was the, what were they used for? Eaten. Oh, they were eaten. Mm. Tasted like dark chicken, apparently. Wow. So it must have been back when, like, uh, what's the like young cattle? What is that called? Veal. Veal. <laughs> All those kinds of like, what if we ate the baby version? Yeah. I think veal <laughs> is still fairly popular, isn't it? I was thinking, I was thinking like in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Where they're like, would you like a gopher? Like it was probably just. I don't remember that part. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that in so I've long. I've never in my adult life eaten veal. I think I did well, once. Neither I. Yeah. I guess I like the grown up versions yeah. of foods. <laughs> This substantial land holding positioned Hopkins as one of the most significant, if not the foremost, black property owners in Southern California. Today, some of the ranch land is still owned by the Hopkins family. Cool. So Otto would eventually retire from the disposal business in 1958 and sold uh, his company to the Borgatello brothers, who were the founders of Marburg Industries, which still services Santa Barbara, doing all their waste collection today. Perhaps part of the reason Otto was able to successfully run a local speakeasy can be traced to his unique relationship with the city's sheriff, John Ross. <gasps> Jack Ross! John Ross. But John and Jack John are and pretty Jack. interchangeable. Oh, <laughs> they, I guess. So Sheriff Ross, an avid hunter, was a regular visitor to Hopkins Ranch. And Hopkins was issued a concealed carry permit in 1946 for, quote unquote, protection of money while purchasing livestock. This permit would be renewed annually until at least 1951 in a time where it would be another 20 years until the Voting Rights Act. This permit demonstrates the level of respect Otto had built among the city. Huh. So it was like a really big deal. Yeah, that I mean, I think it's still a, had a big deal to get carry. a concealed carry in Santa Barbara County, isn't it? <laughs> Is that really, even a thing here? I think that's pretty difficult to get. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was probably more likely back then, but for white men, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. However, on December 12th, 1935, the Cotton Club was wrapped up in a controversy involving the mayor of Santa Barbara, one Edmund Oscar Hansen. Hmm. So now we're going to tell you a little bit about Mayor Hansen. So 
Mayor Hansen, who went by E.O. Hansen for Edmund Oscar for okay. some reason, was a retired soap company owner from the Midwest. Hmm. He held the office from 1935 to 1936. <laughs> <laughs> and he has been described as a crank, a crackpot, and a dictator wow. who apparently Ooh, immediately fun. the night he won the election <gasps> sent a team of cops to basically take over City Hall and keep department heads from entering the building the next day. <gasps> So that he could replace them with those of his choosing. Whoa. That's wild. (laughs) He was at one point arrested for assaulting a city license inspector with his own gun that Hansen nabbed from his Fiesta Cumberbund. Oh, my gosh. And I said, I have so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) And he was also written up for attending a Fiesta party hosted by the JCs that featured nude dancers. I guess the fiesta parties were <laughs> a little different back then. Wow. What are the JCs? I don't know. The JCs are like a community organization. What does it stand what for? What does JC stand for? It's J-A-Y-C-E-E-S. Oh. I think they're similar to like Knights of Columbus. Hmm. And, okay. Or those maybe is it more organizations. Military affiliated. The United, United States Junior Chamber, also known as the JCs. Oh. Huh. A leadership training service organization. Yeah, that's <laughs> shady. Huh? And civic organization. Is it still a thing? Yeah, I think so. Huh. For I people by... between the ages of 18 and 40. <laughs> that's a wide range. Yeah. It's like the Young Professionals Club. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it goes up to like 40 something. Cause... Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> got their youth at 40 yeah yeah apparently uh one of the articles that i read said that uh he tried to deny having anything to do with the new dancers and he was like no no no, i i got up and went to another part of the room as soon as she took her shawl off and i was like sure you did buddy uh so mayor hansen had a penchant for feuding with other elected officials and would stoke these feuds with self-published editorials referring to himself in the third person oh Oh, i like him a lot (laughs) i had a co-worker who used to send out press releases about himself and oh yeah you did too (laughs) did i uh no not you did it sorry you had a co-worker too like did i ever send a press release (laughs) it was um yeah so he would he would put like he would uh, have things written or write things that would be like the mayor finds so and so to have the brain the size of a pea. Or <laughs> oh, I'm into like, him. He's my yeah. favorite mayor now. <laughs> He's like he seems to have like a terrible personality, but some pretty decent politics. Huh. Like he was supportive of like city staff unionizing and like. Yeah, like his politics were, I'm kind of like, I could be kind of on board with some of this stuff, but his antics <laughs> seemed to be. So anyways. Funny. <laughs> on the night of December 11th, Hansen went out drinking and joyriding with a red-headed woman who was not his wife. <laughs> Summers, uh, was that you? <laughs> I wasn't alive yet, but I would have. <laughs> but whose name was redacted from all reports. His buddy Ken Noble and his date, another unnamed woman, and a Montecito butler named Philip Rossberg. The party started at El Cortijo, a restaurant which was located at 915 Coast Highway, which I'm assuming is what is now considered Old Coast Highway. Is that yeah, I bet. between Montecito and Santa Barbara mm-hmm. there above the uh, bird refuge? 
It was reported that they had two or three drinks there and then ended up at the Cotton Club. Prohibition had ended in December of 1933, and the club was known as a busy black and tan establishment. So according to the police report later filed, officers had been over on Haley across the street from the Falding Hotel, featured in a previous episode (laughs) that I've done, around 2.15 a.m., when they saw a car pull over and a man, who was Mr. Rossberg, get out and start walking. Then the car drove to catch up with the man and two more men, who were Mr. Mayor Hansen and Noble, got out and started yelling obscenities and pushing the man who was walking, who then Wait, fled. The butler that was with them? Yeah. So okay. they kick the one guy out of the car. Yeah. But then they like pull up next to him and they get out and they like start harassing him, harassing him okay. and, and like and then the guy takes off running. Okay. So the officers pull up to the car and end up chasing down Rossberg and bring him back and are holding him in custody, questioning him. While the officers are questioning Rossberg, Hansen flags down two black men who had actually followed the group out of the cotton club uh-huh. like they were um guys who worked at the cotton club and worked actually one of them i think was described as working as at the el cortillo so i don't know if these guys were just like being totally obnoxious all over town and these people were like what is going to happen yeah. here but so anyways he flags down these two guys and brings them over to the officers where then the mayor yells at Rossberg and then punches him in the face like while he's being detained by the officers like right in front of the police officers then he tries to get the two guys to beat up Rossberg and they're like um no I think we're just gonna leave but thanks like we don't want any part of this so Mayor Hansen then tells the officers that Rossberg had insulted the red-haired woman in the car and so he demands that they have him arrested for disturbing the peace The next morning, the Daily News and Morning Press ran a front page story with the headline, Joyride of Mayor Ends in Fistfight and Arrest, Obscene Quarrel on Haley Street, Baird and Police Report. And they published the police report in its entirety. I love it. I love this guy. (laughs) Uh, Did you say, I might have missed it. What is a black and tan club? So a black and tan club was kind of a term used for a mixed race establishment so So everybody could go there yeah cool um so it was you know still common back then that places would be segregated so it was it was um you know like they had a special term for places that okay and a lot of times black and tan referred to not necessarily like a place where a lot of white people would go but it was more like so black and tan referring to like black and mixed race like people, people of color okay. yeah yeah so um so also this area would have been like sim in the similar area of town so there was like a few of the things that i read um referenced the quote-unquote like color line uh, geography that most of the working class uh residents were below cabrillo mm-hmm um, because that was more of the industrial area of town. And so a lot of the people that worked those jobs um, wanted to be close enough to walk. And so okay. it sort of that created that geographical split. I mean, aside from all the other t- racist reasons that we yeah. talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but so most of the the non-white people uh, that lived above Carrillo 
were domestic staff that lived in houses up there. Hmm. So I think it was, yeah, like also just a lot more mixed race in that area. So after posting his $25 bail and being released from jail, Philip Rosberg was interviewed immediately upon leaving, I'm assuming it would be City Hall at that time. But he denied being anywhere near the mayor the night before, claiming, I do not know Mayor Hansen. I never saw him. <laughs> and the reporter pointed out that there were signed police records of the incident. And if they were, in fact, incorrect, he should probably get them corrected. He refused to look at them and stated he was so drunk last night. He didn't even know what happened. Wow. Oh, so he was like, he was like, I don't even I, I didn't I didn't I wasn't there. I, I don't even I know there? the mayor. And they were like, OK, but the police report says that yeah. you were. So are you saying that's wrong? Oh, man. Huh. And he was like, uh, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But I don't want to look at it either. Wow. When reporters went to Hansen's office the next day, he denied the entire evening's activities also, claiming he was being framed. He denied being at the Cotton Club, denied knowing Rosberg, and when the reporter asked if the woman he was with was the same woman he had been with in Santa Maria the day before, he told them, I don't know, why don't you ask her? When asked if he wanted to make a statement, he told the reporter he had nothing to say, but they should be careful what they print. Amazing. <laughs> when they tried again to question him by phone, the mayor hung up on them. <laughs> I love him. I love him. I am devoted to him. Later, he would tell multiple versions of the story, eventually saying it was, quote unquote, just one of those things. <laughs> we were all drunk, and I'm sorry about the whole thing. <laughs> so... After this incident, the Cotton Club is referred to in newspapers repeatedly as being notorious. Oh. And even though they claim the decision had been made weeks prior, on December 17th, 1935, which was three days later, mm-hmm. the Daily News runs an article stating that the Cotton Club, along with three others, will not have its liquor license renewed for the next year. <laughs> oh, that's annoying. Causing wow. them to close the doors 10 years after opening. Yuck. So, yeah. So, it's like... This incident was like kind of a, you know, like a big yeah. to do. And yeah, the it just, of exactly. It just really club. sucks yeah. that the auto and his business suffered because yeah, does. Okay. of this dude's antics. <laughs> Hanson loses some points, but yes. he's entertaining aside from that. I know. But Otto Hopkins, ever the entrepreneur, rebranded, relocated, and opened the Brown Derby Supper Club at 432 Haley Street, which offered patrons good beer and wines, Mm -hmm. dining and dancing every night, and colored entertainment. Okay. That was from the business card. Along with the promise of special courtesy to ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Printed right there on the front. Otto's ventures weren't limited to Santa Barbara either. Sensing opportunity in the burgeoning city of Las Vegas, he opened the Desert Wind, a dining club that defied the racial divisions of its time. He also opened a Cotton Club 2 in Boulder, Colorado, Hmm. with the goal of serving the local construction workers, many of whom were African-American men who had moved to the area to build the Hoover Dam. Oh, okay. Cool. He also owned a a rooming house on Anacapa Street, which is one of the only two places where black travelers could stay while visiting Santa Barbara. Oh, wow. Uh, Emma and Otto had two daughters, Erline and Margaret, and they lived for many years in their home on Elizabeth Street over on the east side. They had many grandchildren who continue their legacy and have helped maintain their family's contributions to our city's history. 
I encourage everyone to utilize the resources that I will list on our website that I used uh, to reference in this story and to learn more about the Hopkins and their legacy. Otto Artie Hopkins passed away in 1976 at the age of 79, and Emma Ruth Hopkins, his lovely wife, passed away in 1986, and they are buried together at the Santa Barbara Cemetery. Wow, wow that was so interesting. Very yeah. cool. There was a lot of information. Um, there was some really great resources. Um, I used to get a lot of the background and just it was really fascinating to me um, to learn about that area of town mm-hmm. and its history. Um, and a lot of that background information I learned from the Santa Barbara African-American and Black Historic Context Statement, which is something that was put out. It's on the city's site uh, this, at santabarbaraca.gov. We'll put a link to it. It was um, created by Paige and Turnbull in cooperation with Healing Justice Santa Barbara, um, who like was working to kind of gather and create a reference for the history of uh, black Americans in Santa Barbara. Yeah. Um, there was also some articles that I referenced um, that ended up using a lot of the same information that I found when I took advantage of the Glendhall Glendhill Glendhill uh, <laughs> library archives um, at the Santa Barbara Historic Museum. Cool. And they have a whole file on Otto and oh. his family. And you can, anyone can make an appointment. Uh, there's a small fee to book your appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can go in and view newspaper articles and lots of stuff. Um, one of Otto's grandchildren uh, is doing a great job of sending over things. There, It was like, there was an email that was like, hey, I found this property record when I was pulling out the Christmas lights. Oh, <laughs> Here, yeah. add this to my dad, my grandpa's file. So that's it's, great. It's really fascinating. Um, and then two things that I also kind of included here in my references, just because I was wondering if you guys might ask them, but you didn't. So I'm going to go ahead and just provide <laughs> uh-huh. this information. Cool. So for me, uh, I was really interested in the fact that both of his clubs, uh, the Cotton Club and the Brown Derby, share the name with very well-known other uh, similar clubs Mm. um, in Los Angeles and New York. Obviously, the Cotton Club is a very famous New York City nightclub Uh um, that existed from 1923 to 1940. Um, It was a white-only club that featured black artists so a lot of um the uh famous entertainers of the era people like duke ellington jimmy lansford chick webb louis armstrong count basie like just the most amazing people Mm -hmm. um cab calloway bessie smith but couldn't come there as a customer yeah billy holiday performed there the nicholas brothers um but could not attend there um white people i know it's it's terrible but um but i could find no affiliation to Hmm. santa barbara's cotton club so um i don't know whether it was just kind of like obviously there were looser copyright rules back there whether it was just kind of like yeah i'm gonna name this as a nod to that same with the brown derby um famous 
locations in uh, Los Angeles in the quote unquote golden age of Hollywood. Hmm. Um, The original Brown Derby was on Wilshire Boulevard. um, And then famously the another location. So the Brown Derby actually ended up being franchised. um, And then there was the other location in Los Feliz, which was uh, our friends taught there weekly during the swing resurgence in the 90s. Oh, fun. Um, that's where they filmed scenes for the movie Swingers. Oh, um, okay. And I went there multiple times to go dancing. Cool. Um, but again, <laughs> even like it was franchised, but I could find no record that Otto's Brown Derby was related at all sure. to those Brown okay. Derby restaurants. So it sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> I wish there were, there's a couple photos um, Mm -hmm. that you can find in these articles and stuff that I used. Um, There's great photos of Otto and his family. There's like, they just, it looks like a lot of fun. Cool. Um, And he looks like a really fascinating man. Yeah. There's pictures of the hogs on the farm. Um, So yeah, hopefully this inspires you to learn a little more about Mr. Hopkins. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I saw um, it must have been the the historical museum did a social post about him recently, mm-hmm. and I saw that, and yeah, I had no idea. I like I thought that the Borgatellos started Marburg, and I mean, like, they, yeah, they did, and they built it and whatever, but like, I didn't realize it had started with somebody else. Yeah, yeah, I I went down a bit of a rabbit hole on uh-huh. like the history of waste management within the city. And yeah, like there was a lot of different companies around the same time huh. and it was like, they all kind of had private contracts. Yeah. So uh-huh. like you would, you know, like you would choose who your waste hauler was going to be. <laughs> and then they would just drive all over town and pick up so at the funny. different places. Um, and then obviously there was the, um, the old landfill was down in that same kind of East Hyde, area over in the Laguna uh channel hmm. area um there was like it was like a racetrack at one point and then they started dumping uh waste there and a then racetrack that was yeah. the bird refuge wasn't it no it was above there was one the, at L- above Laguna where too? the 101 is so above the railroad track huh yeah oh interesting yeah, so. cool Thanks, Jen. Yeah. That's I'm awesome. I'm researching this one. <laughs> Do we have a magic eight ball question? Oh. oh. Let's see. Can we come up with anything? <laughs> Plane flies over yeah. the head. <laughs> oh, what happened? Okay, this is not eight ball question. Did you say what happened to our... um? Our firebrand of a mayor. mayor. <laughs> Why was he only in office for a year? Um, there was additional controversy, and he eventually resigned. Oh, he was forced okay. to resign. Okay. Wow. He tried running again a few years later, but got beat. <laughs> he he oddly had quite a bit of support. Like he, I mean, he got a lot of votes. Well, that's surprising. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, not at all. Um, Look at our current political climate. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, he, he resigned and then was unable to secure an additional term. Gotcha. Later. Interesting. <laughs> he doesn't seem like the type that would uh, resign. <laughs> I know. If you, it I'm not leaving. 
it's tough because yeah he's clearly a uh i don't know what the term i'm looking for maybe he was just one of those like characters yeah but it was but like i kept like i was like i want to give you a like a background of him and he was important to this incident which yeah which was very much like a part of Otto's file and all this stuff but it's like it's very easy for him to overshadow and I was like this is Otto's story (laughs) yeah like I want to talk about Otto I don't want to spend too much time on EO and his (laughs) antics but you can definitely there's there's more info on him out there yeah too I wonder if his resignation involved more cummerbund cummerbund (laughs) cummerbund guns is that how you say it funny so did we have a question? Oh, goodness. Mm. Oh, also, like, so, you know, when Rossford gets uh, interviewed, like, as he's leaving the jail, uh-huh. and he's like, I wasn't there, I wasn't with the mayor, nothing happened, and they're like, <laughs> he clearly had, like, a giant black eye. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Where, where it's, like, obvious he had been punched with a right hook. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a question. Okay. Did his relationship with the sheriff... Uh, did Otto's relationship with the sheriff cause them to like kind of turn a blind eye to his speakeasy? And that's why he was able to stay open for so long. Oh, I mean, probably. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Jack, Jack wasn't, uh, he wasn't, he wouldn't have been in charge for the during city. Oh, he wasn't at that time. I don't think, let me look, but his dad was, Oh wait. Yeah, that's right. Cause he got his, uh, he got his concealed carry, permit in 46 so that would have been after prohibition so never mind <laughs> question i'm the worst at this. but you could still do did the hogs get indigestion from eating our trash <laughs> <laughs> i don't know either oh, Ooh, no. <laughs> here's a question okay i got one did they really did they pull the the license because of this incident because you know how they were like they said in the news in the newspaper articles they were like oh no this was this was already decided before this happened oh but it's like, pretty clear that like this was like it was very like much a excuse. like excuse to yeah. shut them down oh no outlook good <laughs> so well, not so good for <laughs> poor <laughs> Otto <laughs> what a bummer But I'm glad he was able to come back. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like he's a pretty determined guy. Yeah. So that's cool. It's neat to learn more about our history. It's not just the the white people coming in. Right. Awesome. I want to read that uh, contextual statement. Is that what it is? I don't think think I've read it. I haven't either. I'm glad you mentioned it. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. References a lot of uh, buildings Mm -hmm. that were houses and buildings that were important yeah i feel like a broken record because i always talk about the genealogical society but they did um maybe like two years ago they did a big like the african-american history of santa barbara and like yeah talks to like you know ancestors of i mean i wouldn't be surprised if he's included in that yeah probably yeah is that still viewable somewhere i think you can view it online like they cool. they did like a big display and and it's like they just did one this past year of asian american mm-hmm. oh right yeah in santa barbara i remember um, seeing that um 
And when is the genealogical library open? (laughs) I did search their online thing to Uh see if they had stuff on the Hopkins family as well. Um, Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday afternoons. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyhow. Cool. Well, thanks, Jen. That was awesome. Yeah. Super interesting. Cool. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. We'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. Hi, Mom. Thanks for listening to The Ghoul's Guide to Santa Barbara. Like and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Ghoul's Guide to SB. Our website is ghoulsguidetosb.com. Got a spooky story or know of a haunted or paranormal location in Santa Barbara? Send it to us at ghoulsguidetosb at gmail.com.